The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. What everybody is trying to figure out is how they fit into that. If we do have a reshaped world, what does that mean for the various companies, people, uh, politicians trying to navigate that? And I think that's really what we were trying to get at here is the idea that there are certain old ways of thinking about the world that now need to evolve and change to fit the new facts that we're seeing. Breaking views have laid out a series of fascinating predictions for 2024. There's M&A, surprise IPOs, recruitment, and how investors will manage multiple wars. Listen on to hear the highlights from Europe, Asia, and America in this very special views room. Welcome to The Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. It's the prediction season, where Breaking Views columnists look into their crystal ball for 2024 and lay out what deals they think will happen, what will happen to major economies and sectors. And I'm delighted to be joined by the crack team of editors that led this process, starting with Jonathan Guilford in the U.S., Unigalani in Asia, and Francesco Guerrera in Europe. So, Jonathan, probably best to start with you because you led this whole process. Can we give our listeners just a bit of an, an insight into how this process works at Breaking Views, how we come to predictions, and also you could, you could talk us through the meaning of the theme this year? Of course. So we are fortunate enough to have columnists spread across the world in bureaus in Europe, the US uh, and Asia. So towards the end of every year, when we've had a chance to kind of reflect on what we've seen over the past few months and are in a position to really think about kind of, okay, how do we want to set the agenda for the year ahead? We all get together, we kind of put our heads together, have a think about what are the big picture themes that we see emerging We'll return to our various columnists in our various regions, have a think about, you know, what is it that you are seeing on the ground that seems important for not only the year ahead, really, but just in general, what's shaping kind of the economy, markets, the companies that we cover, what are the forces that they're reacting to, and thinking about, like, how do we frame that for readers for the year ahead? And so for this year, that ended up coalescing into this theme of paradigm drift which I don't know, we can sort of think about it as the past few years have all really felt like transitions, right? Ever since COVID in 2020, the world has been kind of skating around on the ice rink, kind of careening between various disasters, which obviously disasters continue to be in no short supply. But there is a sense now that there are certain facts about the world that are a little more known we have a better understanding now, for instance, of the course of interest rates, of the course of inflation, of the course of trade policy, of the course of various international coalitions that are emerging. There are things that just the direction of travel is a little more known. And now what everybody is trying to figure out is how they fit into that. If we do have a reshaped world, what does that mean for the various companies, people, politicians trying to navigate that? And I think that's really what we were trying to get at here is the idea that there are certain old ways of thinking about the world that now need to evolve and change to fit the new facts that we're seeing. 
Absolutely. And I mean, Yuna, I think this year has been fascinating for Asia and for many reasons. Obviously, the tensions between the US and China are continuing. The economy is difficult. India has had many developments as well. Um, and I just wondered if you might be able to just maybe pick out, because you were obviously leading um, the predictions from, from Asia and not an easy task in any way to do for the year ahead as to what's what's likely to happen. I just wondered if you could give us maybe a bit of a selection of what you think are, are sort of the more interesting ones that, that you've seen. Yeah, so I mean, Amy, it's great to be here. I think that you're right. It's not an easy task. Asia is such a vast region. We cover so many different countries. We're in so many different time zones. But you know, it's, it's been a year where all like all the kind of global dots are coming together. And I think that one of the big things that we have settled on, especially we had this section in the book called Looking Ahead. And Huawei, we think will be the surprise IPO of 2024. And I love this prediction because it kind of brings together the whole US-China geopolitical tension, right? So Huawei has been a company that has been at the center of the targets of US sanctions, and it's still been managing to release new smartphones. And, and it's a company that's become like at the heart of Xi Jinping's vision for, for China to reach technological self-sufficiency, but it also needs a lot of funding, R&D. We've seen its margins come down in the last few years. And so I think that, you know, the founder, Ren, Ren, uh, Ren has always said that he, he would never take the company public. But we think that actually in the light of all these tensions and the fact that this company has become so strategic, that he might take this company public. We think it could be worth anything between $130 billion. And some people in China have predicted it could be worth a trillion dollars. Who knows? You know, Chinese investors love to chase hot stocks. So that's one of our fun predictions for 2024. Particularly fun prediction for investment bankers, right? Who have had a drought of IPOs for, for quite some time now. I'd say they would love a slice of a $130 billion company. Yeah, I, they would. And But Amy, if I think that a company like this, if it went public, it would go public in China. And it would just really like, it would twist the knife in really a bit, because rub salt in the wounds, because a lot of these bankers are really hurting because they're not getting a share of that market. And the Hong, China market is the one that has continued to do IPOs through this sort of capital market drought we've had. So I think, I think that will be like the hottest thing to watch for on the corporate front. You know, if we sort of like, zoom out uh, and, and we look at sort of another part of the sort of political sphere and we think about elections. I mean, obviously, we've got so many elections in the world next year. We start with Taiwan and then we move on to uh, Indonesia, India, uh, US, US, of course, obviously. So 2024 is going to be the year of elections. But in Asia, we have two particularly really important elections in India and Indonesia. So this is like two of the world's hottest emerging markets going to the polls, and I think that there, you know, we put, we think that there is going to be a bigger possibility of disruption to policy stability than has been widely assumed. So, like, you know, these are two countries are huge. They cover 1.7 billion people, five trillion dollars of GDP. But what's really fascinating to me is that they've each had a decade under the same leader each, right? So Modi has been in power in India for. 10 years, he can run for a third term. It's widely assumed he'll win with an outright majority, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll have to come back in a coalition. And I think people have got so comfortable the fact that India is under Modi's sort of firm grip. Um, you know, if he has to come back in a coalition, policymaking could be a lot less smooth. Um, in, 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 in Indonesia, you know, uh, Joko Widodo can't run again. He's hit the term limit. So it's possible his son comes back to power with the current defence minister. They're running together. 
But I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see Southeast Asian nations have a habit of leaning towards China or towards the US. And it'll be interesting to see if a change in government there brings something different. And, and, and Indonesia has become very important in EV supply chains as people look you know, to, to the sector and, and to look to, it's become important to China and to the US. So I think those two elections are, are going to be really, really important to watch. Fascinating stuff. And Francesco, as we move to Europe, Francesco, you obviously have a global hat on at Breaking Views most of the time as our global economics editor, but you were managing Europe and the war in Ukraine continues to, to rumble on. Again, this, I suppose the development recently is Israel and Gaza. I was just curious, what what for Europe, I mean, Germany is, is, is having a very difficult time. What what did you kind of pick out as like, what, what, what interesting predictions can we expect from the European region? Yeah, I mean, essentially our predictions from EMEA this term, this year, were in two baskets. One is uh, deals. So we're also bringing some cheer to investment bankers because we think there's going to be a lot of deals. So we engage in a lot of what we call a breaking views, fantasy M&A, and we can delve into some of the deals that we are uh, forecasting might happen next year. And, and, and on the other side, you, you talked about the, the geopolitics of Europe, which um, unfortunately has one war going on uh, on its doorstep, and then there's another war that kind of started in the Middle East uh, towards the end of the year. And we, we delve into the, some of the potential implications for investors and others in those two, in those two regions, in those sub-regions. Let's start in fantasy and M&A first. I mean, we, we, our columnists uh, thought there was going to be a lot happening next year, starting from your prediction, Amy, about a big uh, pharmaceutical merger between Roche, uh, Roche and Novartis, which is something that's been talked about for a long time, attempted a few times. But now you think that this is the, the time is ripe uh, for something to happen and will lead to major consolidation in the European pharmaceutical sector. Uh, the other one that we picked out was a, a, a mega oil merger between BP and Equinor. It's a Scandinavian rival. Uh, that's something that we think could happen given the uh, need for a huge capital investment in, uh, in, in, in oil and production and also the pressure for, on some of these oil majors to um, move away from fossil, fossil fuels. The other aspects, uh, um, and perhaps the most surprising one that we have, is the possibility of a mega merger among financial services companies. Our banking editor, Liam Proud, uh, thinks that the um, unexpected uh, merger between UBS and Credit Suisse, driven by the fact that Credit Suisse was in trouble, could unleash a new wave of M&A among financial service sectors companies in Europe, uh, something that we haven't seen, well, for, for decades, uh, even during the financial crisis, we, we only saw forced mergers in 2008, 2009. So this could be a huge departure if it does happen, if regulators allow it to happen, if CEOs want to happen. And there the, the, the targets are around France, right? The so French companies, the Socgen, the BNP Paribas are the ones that may be uh, targeted or be participating in this new wave of M&A. On the geopolitical front, um, our... Uh, um, EMEA managing editor, uh, George Habe, who is also an expert on, on the Middle East and, and on, on commodities, uh, has a very provocative uh, pr prediction, which is that uh, Saudi's best investment may be in the reconstruction of Gaza. As we know, Saudi Arabia is using its enormous financial resources to try and um, uh, to, to try and invest and diversify uh, its source of assets, and is being buying uh, football clubs and uh, golf leagues and, and, and many other trophy assets. George thinks that you know the best, most uh, um, uh, longest, long, longer term return he could get would be by investing in the reconstruction of Gaza after uh, eventually the situation with Israel gets resolved. Um, and so that's one. And then on the Ukraine front, um, our expert on the area, our columnist on the area, Pierre Branson, 
thinks that the um, solidarity of Ukraine uh, from Europe and the US will wobble but hold. And we already seen some of it with the US uh, wobbling on the solidarity with Ukraine. But Pierre thinks it's going to hold because the alternative is just not possible for either Europe or the US, which will be to give in to Putin. Those are the, the main uh, points for us in Europe. So it makes for very joyous reading over Christmas for, again, bankers and lawyers and everybody who can get a bit of a slice of these ginormous deals. Um, yes, I mean, I think definitely when it comes to Europe, we've seen some very large companies, and you mentioned Roche Novartis. Roche, one of the reasons is it's just, obviously, the share price has come down so much. And I think a lot of people, when you speak to pharmaceutical people, they're like, what does this company do? So yes, fantasy M&A uh, plays well in that. So Jonathan, the US, um, <laughs> a fascinating year ahead for, for many reasons. What, what do you think are the highlights coming out of the US? Yeah, well, in the US, I think Una mentioned earlier, we have this section kind of looking ahead. I feel like part of what really defines the US experience for the year ahead is this notion of backlash, one of the other chapters that we have in the book. There's a lot of kind of the US trying to find its way through a world that is rapidly moving out of its own control. There is a lot of attempting to kind of get its arms around the economy and exert control in new ways that maybe sort of the more laissez-faire attitude over here isn't uh, isn't accustomed to. So we kind of have a call. I wrote about the American attempt to kind of shake off dependence on China in the electric vehicle industry, which is obviously going to be uh, an extremely tall task that frankly just is not going to happen uh, in any kind of holistic way. We also see, you know, kind of political backlash. We obviously... Trump 2024 is the event looming over not only the US, but really the world, something that has the potential to kind of, I guess, throw a wrench in the gears of some of these emergent new realities that we see really taking hold. But you also see kind of, uh, there are various other facts that are beginning to kind of uh, move ahead of uh, the ability of folks to kind of get around them in the US. So cryptocurrency, you are seeing a kind of uh, emergent reaction, streak of reaction kind of among cryptocurrency firms uh, beginning to move away from the USA as a natural consequence of the kind of regulatory environment over here. And also various other financial centers that are kind of looking to get a piece of that. I mean, obviously, how much that matters depends on your, uh, your uh, natural uh, inclination to believe that crypto is or is not something with a meaningful kind of technological core. But I think you know, there is an argument there that there is some emergent technology that the U.S. may maybe have less of a piece of in the future. And I mean, beyond that, you know, everybody from central bankers to, you know, tech titans like Apple and Google facing, you know, an imbibed competitor like Microsoft on their core mobile platforms. You have Disney dealing with the decline of the traditional media industry. Everybody is really trying to just like grab a piece of stability in this kind of new world that we see ourselves in. And I think that really is like the fundamental unifying story in the Americas. Yeah, uh, and, and Jonathan, I mean, I think our global editor, um, Peter Tal Larson was looking at what we got right um, over the past year. And sometimes we do get things wrong or maybe we just fantasize too much about M&A and they don't work out. But I just wondered if you might be able to just pick out uh, maybe a couple of things that, that we got right and, and maybe one thing that we got wrong. <laughs> and you, Francesco, feel free to plug anything that you are quite proud of um, getting right in the past. Of course. I mean, so for last year, we had some calls that did work out. We you know, correctly called the ultimately what was a pretty severe drought in M&A IPO activity 
that was just uh, proven right beyond, uh, I think, anybody's uh, expectations. Volume has collapsed. Bankers have been struggling to kind of figure out how to keep their uh, their fee franchises going. And there were also kind of various calls related to really like the big themes that we're seeing today. So the US-China tension over pieces of the supply chain and specifically kind of metals, rare earths, et cetera, that really has been something that has shaped this year. And I mean, in terms of getting things wrong, it happens. It's entirely possible that uh, Microsoft did not in fact, by Netflix. Uh, but, you know, you uh, you swing for the fences. And I think on on a lot of the big picture stuff, we've been we've been fairly down the line. Well, that was fantastic. A brilliant overview of the predictions, which I'm sure our readers and listeners will will thoroughly enjoy. Uh, so thank you, Yuna, Francesco and Jonathan. Very nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Katrina Hamlin in Hong Kong. Check out our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Megaphone, or wherever you like to listen. And for more views, head to breakingviews.com or the social media site X, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.